We see clearly in this passage that being strong requires prayer and persistence. Being strong requires prayer and persistence. It's not hard to feel the need for power. We're very aware of our own weakness. We look around us and it could be just wanting to see God work in some way, having a desire to see his work advance, see somebody saved. It may be an awareness of a need in your own life, the facing the reality of your own weakness, feeling weak, feeling something that you really know is far beyond you and you need his strength. And in these first verses, we see that power is in the armor of God. The armor of God is the strength of God. If we start in verse 10, we're told, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're all for that, aren't we? We want to be strong in the Lord. I'm all into being strong in the Lord. Let's do it. And we feel that need, as we've said many times. But God doesn't just describe armor and say, there's the armor, look, there's a helmet, there's a breastplate, there's a belt of truth, go ahead, put it on, and that'll help you or strengthen you or protect you. He tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the power, but the power is his might. And as a matter of fact, when he lists certain pieces of the armor, which you're very familiar with. This isn't going to be uh, in-depth, detailed study of the spiritual armor. But notice that when he talks about the armor, he quotes, Paul is quoting for certain pieces, not all of them, he's quoting Old Testament passages that describe God as being dressed in this armor himself. So it's not really a human armor or, or even something that God special made just for us to give to us and we put on and that helps us. Really, it's talking about the Christian putting on God's armor, almost like getting into the armor with God. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 5 talks about God wearing the belt of truth. Isaiah 59 17 talks about God having a breastplate of righteousness. And Isaiah also mentions the helmet of salvation. So being strong isn't getting strong ourselves, but being in God's strength. So if you want power and to have that power that you feel a need for in your life and that as a church we feel a need for and we feel a need for in our ministries in Spain, we need to move closer to him. And anything that puts us in more fellowship with God nourishes and nourishes our fellowship with him and moves us closer to him, that's what strengthens us. Because we are moving into God's power. We're not taking his power from him and putting it on ourselves, even though you picture it that way, if you want, that's fine. But really, it's God's power, and we want to be close to God and in his armor with him. So things like obedience to his commands, walking with him, Trust in him, trusting him, having our faith in him, being in God's word. Lena mentioned, gave us a testimony, just being in his word and in prayer, those daily disciplines of fellowship with God. That's where strength is. That's where there's power. 
So never disregard the little things of the Christian life, the little things, right? Cultivating your relationship with him, cultivating communion with him, being tied to him so that we're moving deeper and deeper into fellowship with him because in doing that, we will be going into, moving into his power. And we need power in part, according to this passage, because of what the battle is. In verse 11, Paul says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So there's definitely a battle. There's spiritual warfare. And the word that refers specifically to that is we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So we wrestle, there is a battle. The word wrestle isn't, is, a, is a warfare term, but it's not so much a word that is an army conquering or invading or a large-scale army term. It's a personal hand-to-hand combat. And wrestling refers to the stability of the individual, how much you waver, how much you can stand, or if you're being knocked down. And that's not in opposition to other people, as we know. It's a spiritual thing. It's in the spiritual realm. And other verses in the New Testament are clear that the enemy wants us to be wavering. He traps us. He stalks us. He tries us. He trips us. He roars at us. And we've given examples about how the enemy over there has roared. He's jumped out of the bushes and just roared. A lion, a physical lion, roars to scare and paralyze It's prey, and that's what the enemy wants us to do. In a country of 46 million people where there are only three or four other Christian schools in the whole country, the enemy has had unopposed control over the education of hundreds of thousands of children for decades. And out of all those millions of kids, he doesn't want even a hundred of them at Synergy to hear the gospel or to be well, or to be loved by members of God's family. So he's going to roar, and he's going to try to discourage us. And the same could be said for the things that you do, either in your personal life or in your, in your church ministries, that are steps forward to spread the gospel with all of its effects on the lives of people. The enemy will try to destroy that. Uh, the, the, the New Testament talks about different ways he does that. We've given as an example attacks from outside, opposition, persecution. Sometimes, though, that, that wrestling, that spiritual warfare is just conflict with other people, broken fellowship. Sometimes it's burdens of our own heart that lead us to lose our joy. It's hard to serve God when you don't have joy. Anxiety, depression... And these are loads that can wear us down. And the enemy loves that because we're unwell then. We're not prospering. We're not flourishing spiritually or in any other way. And he's all about not wanting us to prosper spiritually and not wanting us to be well and joyfully serving the Lord. It's part of a war taking place in the heavenlies. We can't see all of it but we are a player on that stage. So the threat is that the believer waver or be destabilized. 
So we need power. We need power to stand. We need power to be firm. And the armor that can help us do it, what we find in God, the strength that we find in God, what God is clothed with that we can put on as well, is listed in these verses. But we notice first that being strong requires complete obedience and full commitment. You have to be all in to partake in God's power. And we see that in verse 13. Well, first of all, in verse 11, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. And verse 13 says, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, you'll be able to stand firm. You'll be able to have power when you're doing everything that you can. When you're all in, when you're fully committed, when God has our full attention and obedience, that's where there's strength. So specifically the things that protect us and the things that give us power are listed here. For example, we have truth. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Truth in this, the use of the word truth here is really truthfulness. So it's not specifically a reference to God's revealed truth, although certainly that's the foundation of all, every aspect of the believer's life, right? But it's really truthfulness or trustworthiness. Being a trustworthy person makes you strong. It moves you closer to God because he is faithful. He is trustworthy. So it's a way of partaking with him and his strength to be truthful and trustworthy. Boy, there we could apply that to a lot of areas, every area of our life in our speech, in our communication, in our family relationships, in our workplace, in our studies, being people who are truthful. Then another piece is righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. We know that as believers we are clothed with Christ's righteousness, so we don't have to invent this ourselves. We don't have to figure out how to be good enough ourselves, and thank God for that. But we do have to discipline ourselves and we have to make an effort. The Christian life is a life of practice and effort and putting into daily steps that that we're clothed with in Christ, which is righteous acts, righteous words, righteous attitudes, righteous thoughts, playing that out in our lives, the righteousness of Christ. Then we have the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace, this is having let the gospel message work in our hearts and transform us with everything that the gospel does with us, and it's a lot, then taking that with us and letting the gospel just work in us, work in us, work in us, and understanding what it's doing in us through our lives so that it gives us peace and it produces peace in us and in our surroundings. And then faith, faith, the shield of faith, the shield of faith is something that can deflect the fiery darts of the enemy. Faith is something that can protect us from being wounded. And faith here specifically is used in the sense of trust in God. Trust in God. We mentioned it briefly in Sunday school this morning. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? Are you convinced that he is, wants your good and he is working for your good. Are you convinced that he's there for you? Are you convinced that he's who he says he is? Are you convinced? I'm sure you all mentally would affirm that God is all-powerful and all-loving, but 
Do you really personally trust him even when it's hard to trust? Because trust protects us. A lack of trust starts to produce distance. When you don't trust someone, you start to question them. You're suspicious of them. And then you move away from them. And then you can become angry and eventually bitter and eventually not want anything to do with anyone because you didn't trust them. And God is worthy of our trust. Jesus Christ is worthy of our trust. He's perfect. He's there for us. He's with us. He's on our side. He's working for us. You can trust him. You can trust him. You may, get to, you may need to get to know him more. You may need to read, your, read the word and believe, look, this is what it says about Jesus, and I believe he was that way, just like it says in the Bible. I believe this man who came and did these things and said these things, and he was so loving and so compassionate and so wise and so true in everything, and that he gave his life for me, and he's on my side. And I commit myself and trust to him. Do that. Please do that, because it'll protect you. It'll, there's nothing that, few things I believe that Satan wouldn't like better than to get you to mistrust God and be suspicious of God's motives, of what he wants to do with you, and so on. Trust. We could spend a lot of time talking about that. Another part of the armor is the helmet of salvation. This is our understanding of salvation protects our mind. So many things start in our mind, and I see Christians that are very confused about what, what the gospel is, what salvation is, what God did with them. Can you describe, using biblical terms, what God did in your life when you were saved and committed your life to Christ? Because an understanding of those things will help protect your thinking and shape your thinking and help you take every thought captive to Christ. And then, of course, we have the word of God. That's our sword. That's the truth. That, that can divide that can pierce, that can accomplish things. God's word, and God's word we already mentioned before, is the perfect, specific, complete revelation of God's truth for us. So power, we need power. Power is in the armor, and the armor is God's. We need to be close to him so that we are strengthened by it, power. Then we have prayer. Prayer, the importance of prayer. Paul says... In verse 18, and after Paul has made these powerful declarations through the Holy Spirit, of course, of the spiritual armor, uh, I just love Paul and his, his, his plaintive, sincere, humble plea to his brothers and sisters to pray for him, to pray for him. He needed prayer. He begged for prayer. He says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. We don't need prayer because Paul needed prayer. We already know we need prayer, but still, what a great example to follow. A powerful man, a man given over and con led by the Spirit and used so mightily of God to ask for prayer. It's just one clue of how much we need prayer. Prayer must be the foundation and support of everything we do. When Lena and I first started tossing around the idea of having a Christian school, of opening a Christian school, the first thing we did openly or semi-publicly about it was literally 
put a post on Facebook saying, anybody around here interested in starting a Christian school? And with the response that there was, we started meeting together with those people to pray. And for several years, most of what we did was just pray. Pray, tossed around ideas, planned, talked, but we prayed and prayed. And we humbly appreciate God having helped us lay that foundation of prayer. We try to keep that going now. Monday is day of prayer for synergy for us. And at school, on Mondays, we, we pray a lot at school anyway, but on Monday specifically in recess time, we huddle at one edge of the play area and with one eye open and watching the kids and one eye closed, we all pray together and just pray for God's working in the hearts of those students and ask God to pour out his power and his working. And that has to be what we do for anything, for anything, not just for a school or not even just for a church, for your personal life. Uh, there's a beautiful verse in Psalm chapter 5. This King David, who wrote so many psalms and expressed so many parts of his inner thinking and his relationship with God in them. In Psalm 5 and verse 3, he says, and many, and many times, I think there are a lot of psalms in which David um, uh, cries out to God, and he, when are you going to hear me? Why don't you listen to me? Please hear me, God. But here in this verse, he says, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. Can you say that? Can you remind God, God, remember, you hear from me every morning. Remember, you know that I'm going to come to you in prayer. And is that a part of your daily life? And then he says, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. And the looking up isn't still looking up to keep talking to God. It's looking up and waiting in expectation for God to answer and God to work and God to move. It's a wonderful picture of the personal prayer life of God's children. And of course, as Paul mentions here in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, it should, prayer should, should um, permeate all our ministries and everything that we try to do. So prayer, please keep praying. We feel that we've been in Spain for 26 years. That means that people that had any age at all when we went are getting older now, and we feel a need. Oh, well, we're getting older as well. So we feel a need for younger people to be raised up by God to pray for us, to carry on the ministry that you have been doing, many of you have been doing for years and years and years. So pray with us for God to provide those prayer warriors. And amen to what Lena mentioned, that what we really count on is, is your prayer. I don't know how many more years, we have a lot more years to live and serve there, but we don't at all feel like, while we've been there 26 years, we can kind of coast out the rest of the time. So if our prayer support drops off, that's no big deal. It's not at all that way. Please keep praying for us. Prayer. So power, prayer, and persistence. You saw it already in this verse 18, when Paul says that our prayer specifically, we should be watching thereunto with all perseverance. With all perseverance. There's persistence. Sometimes the lack of persistence can lead us to miss out on what God is doing and wants to do. Persistence is just sticking there and not getting off the wagon of what God is doing, of his work. In 2015, Lena and I were at a point where the church we had, uh, sorry, 2014, 
the church we had started had, for various reasons, dwindled down to basically Lena and me and our children and one or two other people meeting together on Sundays. And we were asking God. We would talk. We would say, what should we do? This isn't sustainable. We can't keep going like this. Uh, we, need There's, we need more of a critical mass. It isn't good for our children. Should we just go to some other church and kind of work from there? Should we do something different? Should we just say, look, everybody or everybody, the other two or three, we're just going to stop for now? And we prayed about that, but God just never told us to do any of those things. He never, he never really gave us an answer, so we understood that we should just keep going. And it was in December of that year and then January and February that God led us to merge with this other small group of very precious believers. We had known them a little bit. Um, previously, but the meeting arrangements of, each, of them specifically wouldn't have facilitated a merger. But when God made it happen, it was just clear that that was supposed to happen and that was his will. We would have missed out on that if we had cut and run in a different direction. And God used that to create this beautiful body of believers that gives us so much fellowship and gives Lena and me so much um, support and a strong church family to be involved with as well as to help train and help train up more leadership in, as we mentioned before. So persistence. We have to persist. Please persist. Stay persisting. Just keep doing it. Whatever God has called you to do, keep doing it. Um, we had uh, so much time, so many times when a, a government approval process that we thought could be done in six weeks six months or a year or a year and six months later still wasn't happening and we were just at our wits end more than once. So one more call, one more written request to the government, one more wondering who else we could write to, who else we could email. Prayer, 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 and just persisting. We, that didn't happen because of anything about us. God didn't work because we were per persistent, but God was just doing that. He was doing that, and he never gave us any plan B. When During that time, at least me, if I thought, if, I, if my mind started going to what will we do if this school never becomes authorized, that thought never, had, never went anywhere because there was just nothing. I knew nothing else that we would do if that school wasn't author authorized and by God's grace, we persisted because we were convinced that he wanted to do that. And by persisting, now we have the wonderful, amazing privilege, amazing privilege. Sometimes Lena and I just leave school together and our eyes tear up because we think, wow, just remember what God has done. Look at this. Isn't it amazing what God has done? And that's not only true about Synergy International Christian School. That's true about a lot of things that you could say here. That's true about the woman in our church now who in the fall she wasn't a stranger to the church she is a daughter of one of our faithful um, churchmen a lady in her 40s wonderfully got saved by reading God's word she'd heard the gospel many times and we spoke about that a little bit this morning that's another amazing thing there's so many amazing things that God does but we can miss out on them if we don't persist so please persist so power prayer and persistence. I pray that God would encourage you to move into his power, to keep on in prayer, to keep persisting. And I'd like to just thank God here in prayer before you and ask his blessing on you.
Father, I thank you for this wonderful church family. I thank you for your faithful followers here in this place. I thank you for Pastor Mark, Tammy, for everyone that comes alongside and puts their shoulder under the, under the load and contributes their gifting and their abilities and their resources to what you are doing in this place. I thank you for the people that Lena and I had never seen before because it shows that you are, your kingdom is expanding here. I thank you for others that are serving you in different places, some visitors here. I pray that you would bless them, each in their ministry and each in their church. And I just ask your blessing on each person here. I pray that we would keep praying and persist so that we have your power. And I thank you. I thank you for the precious and faithful and loyal support over the years and pray that you would continue to bring fruit from that. And we glorify you and celebrate together before you in Jesus' name. Amen.